0: Cool. Hello, welcome 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 to those people that are here live. Thank you for coming and welcome to the people that are tuning in um, Online via Facebook live welcome to the people that will watch this in the future. I guess even if it's not live um, so um, My name is Adam, and I'll be your host and facilitator of discussion tonight before we get started and go any further if everyone can pull out their phones everyone online everyone here and share this event page because word of mouth, you know, share it on your Facebook page, post it, do whatever, and yeah, we're gonna help spread spread the news of this resource that way. So if everyone can do that now, pull it out, share it, share this specific event, share the the link to the video that should be posted now, that would be great. Cool. Looks like our own people are doing it too up here. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So, Cross-examination, or cross-sex as we call it for short, is a ministry of Aletheia Bible Fellowship, a resource with the goal of providing people with a meaningful understanding of Christian doctrine, um, their Bible, as well as connecting people with local church bodies. Our aim is for the local church to be fully convinced um, with what it is is that they believe and to help translate theology into plain language. So remember when we have discussions like this it can not to say that it will but it can get heated so far we're 0 for 2 in that department Uh, we're in episode 3 of season one tonight Um, and so it can get heated and people might possibly disagree but at the end of the day we're here and these three gentlemen are here because they all agree on the same basic truths about jesus so at the end of the day these guys are all on the same team, and they know it. And they will make sure that you know it in the way that they interact with each other. Right, guys? <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, so yes. Freezes, <laughs> sure.
0: So that frees. Sure. So that frees us to talk theology without any real fears. Um, you might hear some weird technical terms being thrown around. Um, I'll do my best here to ring the bell if that happens. And if they do, that's to get these guys back on track with using common language because that's the point of this event is to explain and answer the questions that you guys have in common language rather than using high theology terms and there's definitely a few that can be used with tonight's um, topic um, so we're going to do we're going to do everything we can to make sure you guys are not getting lost along the way um as I mentioned already cross-examination is here to help us common people find a useful relationship with our sincere beliefs and to do this We've gathered questions um, from our friends from other churches from our co-workers from People on Facebook, whatever it may be. We've gathered a whole list of questions to help us um, Yeah, help us discuss tonight um, those who are viewing us live um, or us live or are watching, I guess, Um, you can also ask your questions. There's a microphone here. Um, We have about 90 minutes or so, maybe a little longer to discuss, so ask your questions, and when you're done, you know, if you have another one, come up and ask again. If you're watching the video online, comment on the video, and we will get to your questions as they come. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves so that you know that they're not just Joe Schmoes off the street. We'll get to that. Um, So starting with this man here just go ahead and introduce yourself where you come from and maybe something you like so that they know you're a person Okay
2: Uh, My name is Josh McGarry. I am the senior pastor over at Aletheia Bible Fellowship in Portland, Oregon um, In the Hawthorne district of Portland so really located in the heart of of stuff Um, I've been a pastor for 14 or possibly 15 years. I think 15 years in November and um, I love Batman That's pretty
3: cool hi I'm pastor David Zemke I'm pastor at Emanuel Lutheran Church in Selwood which is the real heart of Portland no I'm kidding uh, I've been a pastor there for nine years and um, I mean, something I like um, I like cinnamon rolls No, not with raisins. That's an abomination. Yes.
1: Good. Okay. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, My name is Dan. I'm the pastor here at uh, Zion Lutheran Church, which really is in the heart of Portland. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my beautiful wife and daughters are here. Melody is standing there with little Cadence, who will be four months old on Easter Sunday, and uh, little Harmony, who's walking up right now. I love them dearly, um, but I also I also have an affinity towards uh, craft beer.
0: Cool. And the gal to the far end is Heidi Parker, and she is here as a representative of you guys, of the lay people, um, and she's here in order to make sure that their answers to your questions are reaching you guys clearly and without any confusion. So. She's going to act as a proxy for you guys. If she's confused, she's going to make sure that they re explain or readdress or reword something so that no one gets lost, because that would be anti completely what we want along the way here. So, um, with that said, I'm going to hand it back to Dan real quick to explain tonight's topic in just a brief sentence or two
1: or three, however many he needs, I guess. <laughs> I'll be as brief as humanly possible. <laughs> Um, so today's uh, topic on the dual nature of Christ, God has revealed himself in Christ Jesus and uh, Jesus is revealed in two natures. Wait, two natures? Or is it one? Wait, we're going we're gonna to be, be answering those questions today, but he's simultaneously divine and simultaneously man. How does that make sense? How can we get our head around that? Uh, we'll talk about that today.
0: Cool. Thank you, Dan. Um, so as per my spiel, um, you know how this thing works if you guys have been to a, like, Comic-Con or something. You know, we have questions, and if you guys have questions, line up in a um, orderly fashion. No throwing bows. This isn't the UFC. Um, but line up, and we'll get to you guys as quickly as possible. As Again, online, if you got comments um, or questions, post it in the comments, and we'll get to you guys uh, as quickly as possible. Um, So we'll just rotate from farmed questions that we already have, to live audience, to uh, digital audience, or however you want to put that. Um, And we'll just rotate and rotate and rotate, and we'll go from one guy to the next. And these guys are just going to sort of organically flow in the way that they um, answer these questions. So it'll start with one person, and if another pastor has something that they want to add on, they can feel free to do so. So a couple just guidelines for us as an audience. Remember that your questions are questions. They're not accusations. Um, They're questions and not your points or stories. Otherwise, why are these guys here, you know? Um, They're questions and not your answers to somebody else's questions. Um, Basically, just be respectful, right? Um, These guys are here and they're not getting paid extra to be here. This is just a service that they're providing. So let's respect their time and let's respect each other's time and each other's um, questions so one quick thing if these guys think that a question or an answer is not being respected or if a question is not pertinent to tonight's discussion on the dual nature of Christ they are free to um, decline to answer that or you know you can talk to them about that at a later date Um, tonight's discussion is supposed to be focused on the dual nature of Christ what that means and any questions you guys have surrounding that Um, But again, you know, if you want to talk to these guys at a later time about your other questions, that's their job, right? So feel free to reach out to them. Yeah, you can, yeah, on the Facebook page, yeah, with your hashtag CrossX, you can ask a question, and that's that's how it can get to us, Um, maybe if there's something at a later date for a later topic or whatever. Um, So, without further ado, I guess we can get started. The more time we have to discuss, the better. Um, so we're, like I said, we're going to start at the farmed questions, and we'll just rotate along. I suppose we can start, um, eeny, meeny, miny, ma uh, Dan, you can start. <laughs> so, the first question of the night, how can Jesus and God be one? The general list of questions. But Dan, you may start with that, and these guys can get on when you're done.
1: Start with this. <laughs> so, how can Jesus? Is the is the oh, for the sorry. For the yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Okay. So, how can Jesus and God be one? Well, first of all, I think if you were to say you completely understood how that was possible, I think that you know you wouldn't be completely honest. Um, but how can Jesus and God be one? Well. God has revealed himself as as triune, which which means he's one God in three persons. And so Jesus is the second person of that trinity, and it is revealed to us in Scripture. And if you trust what Scripture says as God's word, then you believe it and you receive it through faith. Um, I think that... You know, scientifically, if we were to break it down, we'd be at a loss for words because God Himself is just so mind-blowingly huge that we can't get our reason around it. But He has gifted us with faith, we can get our faith around it. I think
3: I gotta ask, and this was part of the, the little side thing up here, is when? When are we talking about? uh jesus and and the father being one before he was made man in what are we going to say 4 bc that works just as well as any other date right pre what we'll call incarnation or before he became human in the whole christmas thing right Uh, that's a different question fundamentally that's a trinitarian question we already talked about that in january you can watch the videos yeah they mutually entail each other it's awesome okay Inside the incarnation inside Jesus walking and talking and, and leading us in the garden the whole nine yards here That has a two-part question. How is Jesus fully God and fully man? And then how does that fully God man deal with the father? Okay, and that gets really really deep and if you want to just like blow your mind go and read John, what is it 17 for the high priestly prayer? Yeah So this is Jesus, the God-man, praying to the Father. And it just, like, every time I read it thinking about it, it just blows my mind. Um, But tonight is really talking about, and then I guess I'll fast forward to how does the Son of God incarnate with flesh, ascended up into heaven, interact with the Father? No clue. Right, right like that's a completely different thing and and you can ask him when he comes down in glory one day Right, Um, but tonight is really about jesus when he's here on earth How is he fully god all the way all god all the time and fully man? um, All the time all the way Um, And i'm just going to double down on it's a miracle It's something god did god knew he wanted to do it. He knew he needed to do it Um, We'll get into the necessity of it here later on but he just He's God he just does stuff um, and he doesn't worry about the house um, and so we can chalk that up to uh, those two natures and it's kind of left to us to describe some of that we'll get into more of that but Josh is like
2: yeah I'm, I'm thinking about it it's 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 a hard question because it is so like magical you know mysterious um, <clears throat> I would say if you're gonna get into the house it would be you would open up the door to how does god do really anything like that's you know if if god if if jesus is god which he claims to be then how does he do anything he does it by his his own power by his own will and and i think that's there's a presupposition you have to make when you put faith in jesus as god that Being God, he's bigger than any explanation that you could possibly have about anything else, and therefore he is capable of anything, and it's by that very acceptance that he's capable of anything that you have to believe that he is capable of being who he claims to be. So I know that's like philosophically sort of everywhere. No, no, you're okay.
3: (coughs) Cool.
2: So that's what I would say. Do you want to spit it back to us, Heidi?
4: Um. Sure. (laughs) So basically, I uh, got, when you were talking, Dan, the, you know, that he has the triune nature of him. He's the second person and, you know, through scripture and through our faith, we can understand him. I guess my question, you were saying that like our faith part of us is going to be what understands his to his dual nature. Um, is there a part of us with our reason that we can also understand that they aren't separate?
1: Well, I think that uh, I think that if you were to look at the dual natures of Christ reasonably, you can make some reasonable assertions about it. Like, for example, why Jesus has to be 100% God and 100% man at the same time uh, for his saving and redemptive work to count. Um, I think you could make a reasonable assumption about that. Um, I think uh, it, it is kind of beyond reason though at the same time it is a a mystery and There's a lot of mysteries that we have to accept and come into agreement with if we're going to follow Jesus There's a lot of things that we don't fully comprehend But through faith we can we can grasp at it as the Holy Spirit works in us. I think too though um
3: There's a way we can academically affirm certain truths about Jesus' existence uh, and kind of understand that that's going on inside of Jesus as he's walking and talking and being baptized and walking on water and feeding the 5,000. But there's no way to understand what it is like, right? Because I can use analogies because you all have a body and you all have a soul or an eternal part, right? It's kind of like that, but it's not like that at all. It's it's kind of like the Trinity, uh, it's, it's it's like the Trinity. so I can I can yeah. tell you about it, but but what's it like to be Jesus? And there are some other things when we get into talking about the human nature side of things, um, that are really just kind of like, oh yeah, oh but that's we oh that's weird, oh but yeah that would have to be true, but you know so they're academically you can understand them, you can believe them, but um, there's no kind of what it is like to be Jesus, the, to just. So there's kind of the faith part, and there's kind of like you can ask him later, um, kind of filling that in.
4: Cool. We're
0: good. <laughs> cool. Uh, we already have some online participation, so thank you um, for doing that. This person has submitted five questions, so we'll try to at least get to a couple of yours. <laughs> so I guess this is for you, David. Um, this person's question, the first of them, is: Did Christ know He was fully God?
3: uh two kind of responses does it matter um and yes uh the doesn't matter is uh, you know sometimes i think um there's that bit about how much does jesus know right because it says in philippians 2, right and this was the reading at my church today uh You know, seeing, not seeing equality with God is something to be grasped. He humbled himself, being made in the form of a servant, right? And some of that humbling is he's not going to be everywhere all the time anymore, right? (laughs) He's there in Bethlehem or he's there in Capernaum. And so that's part of the humbling part. Some of the humbling part, too, is he really seems to put aside omniscience, that big word that means he knows everything all the time. And so there's sometimes where, like, Jesus knows what it's like to fly a Helicopter because he's that's omniscience, but yeah, where's you know.
1: that in the Bible? I can't remember.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, since helicopters aren't in the Bible, we're, we're in tough luck, right? Yeah, yeah. So define I was just picking something where it's the like locus, a, the locust in Revelation. Yeah. I
4: was gonna say, define omniscience for the omniscience.
3: omniscience means that you know everything, everything omni omni-essence is, me, omni's all, and essence would be there for it to know or knowledge. Beyond space and time. Beyond space and time. So all the, the physics stuff, all of the how the universe works, um, how um, the, the dual nature, his own dual nature, how that works, he would know that. Um, but there's certain times here on Earth where he like just doesn't need to know that right that's not what he's here to do he's here to talk to people he's here to tell people and it's not denying that he's God it's just saying that's something he set aside um because it wasn't something that he needed he's going to pick it back up in the ascension and he's going to pick it back up for the last day go and read Isaiah 63 or or Revelation I mean (laughs) it's only a short time where he doesn't have it um so sometimes I ask well why why does it matter if he knows or not it's it's just going to happen it's going to be something that he's going to do with that said though i think he does because there are several times in the bible where jesus does things and you're like why would he do that oh because he knows that he has to be the perfect sacrifice he knows he has to relive the history of israel perfectly okay so there's that time with boy jesus in the temple right that's one about going and talking to people and and Learning and being in that conversation, but part of that too is willingly coming into God's presence Being in God's house willingly and spending the time that's something that israel only does grudgingly Read the old testament, right that this is something they have a big problem with and jesus is just there and hanging out and then his parents show up and Joseph says why would you do this to your mom? <laughs> right, I think i'm gonna have it for mother's day this year as the reading <laughs> boy jesus in the temple, right? Um, so there are times when Jesus is very aware that he needs to do these things um, And and he just does them um, And he doesn't doesn't really worry about it. Uh, so I think he does know um, and He makes the most out of it There are times when he does, he'll say I'm doing this to you because you need you demanded a sign That's a john's gospel thing, right? Oh, woe to you you unbelieving generation, but here's a sign so there's times when he does and then there's times where he's just hanging out with peter james and john and doesn't really matter
2: so would you agree that or should we add the disclaimer here that you're not talking about sort of uh, last temptation of christ sort of thing where he doesn't uh where he has to come to a realization of his christhood you're talking (laughs) that's what happens sorry guys that's what happens in the movie you Spoilers. It. I've never seen it. <coughs> True story, actually. Yeah. The that's what happens. He he gets on the cross and then he he.
3: Yeah. Anyway, it's no. Just look it up. No. And look he up. knows he knows what he's there to do. Okay. He knows, and I'll say he at least knows from the time he's twelve. And I had one of my church members ask, you know, because we talked about it at Christmas, and it comes up, right? And I had one of my church members ask, well, how does he live? How does he live his life, knowing that he's the Son of God, knowing, actually knowing that crucifixion is 20 years down the road? And on the one hand, that's a question, great question to ask. him. On the other hand, how do you live knowing, my two examples on this were, one, how do you live knowing you have a terminal disease?
2: Because
3: a lot of people do, and they go in remission, and they're fine. You take it one day at a time, you live every single day to its fullest and you can read the gospels jesus certainly does that uh the other way you do it is just by not thinking about it and i know a lot of police officers a lot of firefighters and they're like how can you run into burning buildings how can you run at people with a gun i don't know you just do it you don't think about it you just you know well, it's the, it f- it's the
2: focus. Their focus is on a yeah. singular goal, and they're not being distracted by the by the
3: temporary things. Right, right. In a former life, I used to work security and arrest people, and my wife was worried about me getting hurt. I never thought about it. Why would you think about it? You just go and do the job. So that's kind of my, my twofold, like, for Jesus. He definitely knows who he is in the grand scheme of things, and he does things particularly to, in the words, fulfill all righteousness.
2: Yeah, I think a. Uh, uh, Particularly good example today would be when he orders the donkey, right?
3: Right, that's like a pizza. Wait, you know, it's, it's, it's sorry, I can't. Help it's Palm Sunday, right? Right. Like he orders the donkey. Right. Well, and that's. I mean, there's this sense. There's this play on words in the Greek, right? Say no. the Lord needs it. Does he mean himself? Because right. that's who we all think of. Or when you say in Greek "hakurios," that's the Greek for the Lord. Um, the guys who own the donkey probably are thinking the Romans want it. And they're, they've become fond of breathing. So you want
1: to borrow the donkey? Knock
3: yourself out. Have fun with it. right? No questions. Just you know. So there's that little bit of a play on it.
1: One verse that pops into my head is uh, in John 10, uh, where Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. And I think with the I am statements, the ego, a me, which is Greek for I am, um, those statements connect with uh, the Old Testament Yahweh revealing Himself as the I Am that I am, and so Jesus had to be aware of His divinity in order to make such a claim. One yeah.
3: well, all the way through the Gospel of John, yeah. right? right. Yeah. The the claim that Jesus didn't know He was God or never claimed to be God just baloney. Go read John's Gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, read over John. You're good.
2: Yeah, yeah. We all agree on that. <laughs>
3: <Yay>. <laughs> See, we agree on the Bible. Right.
2: Well, so, and just to sort of finish that out, we also have Jesus showing that he also um, holds back knowledge, too. So, you know, like when he says, I don't know, only the Father knows when when it's it's time. So he does know and he doesn't know, and that's a choice.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: Heidi? So we can chalk that up to his actions and his words tell us that he knows that he's fully God. That's what I got. (laughs) Well,
2: and the revelation of... Scripture.
0: Okay, so I don't see anyone lined up, so we're moving on. Josh, this will be for you. Um, why would he limit his divinity in relationship to the date of the end times?
2: We just, we just talked about this. Why? Uh, it's not necessary for him to know. I mean, the other thing that I would say, so for him, I would say it's not necessary for him to know, and that sort of goes. Right back to what david was saying, but let me add to it that for us Not only is it not necessary for him to know but for us it is almost detrimental for us to know because because that then becomes the focus of of our lives When in reality what we're supposed to do as christians is to live always worthy of our calling as opposed to live uh, hoping that when the master shows up he doesn't catch us red-handed you know, so make sure that you do whatever you want to until the day comes and then, you know, clean your act up. So that's what I would say about that.
1: Yeah, that's what, what happened to the Thessalonians. They were, they were quitting their jobs and they were basically mooching off of their, the other Christians in community because they thought the end was so near that it's like, let's just give up. In fact, I ran into this at my previous church uh, when I was serving in Fresno, California, is... Uh, that whole May 21st, was it, what was it, 2000? Yeah, the Herald Camping thing. May 21st, what was it, 2015? No, 2012, something like that. Anyway, the people were holding up signs and, and people were selling their homes and people were, were giving up all of their stuff because it's, it's the end, it doesn't matter anymore. We're being protected by not knowing when the end is.
3: Well, I'll say, too, Josh said it's almost detri- almost always detrimental, and I'll say there's a reason it says almost always detrimental, because sometimes um, it could be really nice. Um, if you read Revelation as a blow-by-blow blow of what's going to happen, that could actually be pretty scary. And so if you could know, okay, it's not going to happen in my lifetime, whew, I could see that being a really kind of a, oh, thank goodness, I can just die in peace, right? I'll live to a nice old age, and I won't have to live in these times, but that's not actually authentic Christianity.
1: It's not, that's not the way Revelation's supposed to be read anyway.
3: Well, that's a different, that's season two. Yeah, season two, um, sorry. sorry. But, Preview of season two, but, episode you know, one. Um, maybe not even episode one. We'll kind of bury that one. Because, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's where the problem starts. That's so, season um, four. season four. Yeah. Um, no, you, you know, I, I, it is one he does not need to know and it's detrimental to us and imagine being a Christian and getting told well it's going to be 2015 years later wait a minute Harold Camping was right nuts um, or you know whatever it happens to be right and there is a sense where knowing that Jesus is coming back that the Lord is actually going to descend the trumpets are going to sound that there's a huge amount of motivation for this Right, and part of it is yeah, I want to live my life well so that as a Christian, so that I get told well done, good and faithful servant, and so I don't get caught you know doing something incredibly licentious while when Jesus returns that's like really super bad um, for us. But two right, there's that whole evangelism thing. Why would you evangelize exactly. if you knew that well he's not coming you know this this century? <laughs> so, so Jesus knows humans. He really knows humans, and poking back at that omniscience thing, a lot of times I don't think he uses his special God-like knowledge to tell what people are thinking. I think he just looks at their face and is like, oh, I know that look, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> so. right. and he looks, he looks into their
2: heart, and he's just like, I know what's going on with you people, yeah. and then he addresses it that way. Yeah, I, do, I really think that it's um, somewhat of a detrimental knowledge because of the way that humans are. They focus and they obsess and, you know, I mean, it, it's not good for us. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. If we believe, if we believe that God um, in Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, if we believe that the, the Godhead has our best interest in mind and it didn't happen for us, well, that's because it wasn't good for us. But I think it is logical that the reason why is because we would do something terrible with it.
0: Do you have any questions?
4: No questions. I just like as to the comment, audience. you know, Jesus knows us as humans. So, yeah.
0: All right, so we're back to Dan, I believe. I'm going to give you another broad question, I guess. Forgive me. It's just the way it falls. <laughs> Why is it important that Jesus is both God and man?
1: Well, it's of vital importance. Because if you think about it, If Jesus is just man, then some of the key things he did, he couldn't do, like live a perfect life, um, take our sins upon himself, rise from the dead. There's a lot of things that uh, Jesus wouldn't be able to accomplish if he was just man. Now, if he was just God, well, he wouldn't be able to live a perfect life for us. We wouldn't be able to identify with God in a personal way and god himself would not be able to die on the cross and so there's that's the reason it's essential that he's both and 100 percent both he can't be 51 and 50 the other and uh we can get in that'll probably come up later with more questions so i don't want to get into that now
3: i like that you just like you brought up a whole bunch of other stuff that i wasn't even thinking um which is fantastic um it's my Siamese twin here. It's fantastic. Um, it's really important because, as, as Dan said, I, I'm just going to focus on the end result because as Christians, we're really, and as humans, right, we're really only worried about that one thing, how do I get to heaven, right? And after that, you can watch your Batman and eat your cinnamon rolls and your craft beer, uh, maybe even all at the same time. It's It matters because if he's just man, he could maybe die for... the one other person's sin, there's Romans 5. Is it 4 or 5? Must be 4. 5 is Abraham. Four. So, he could die. Maybe a good man might dare to die. There, I'm quoting Romans 4. Right? If he's God, but only one. So, who's it going to be? Who's our lucky winner? If he's God, it doesn't actually work. He's the offended party. He's the one we've sinned against. And the 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 death won't work, so it works like this: He has to be fully man, so that the the sins will stick, for lack of a better technical way to talk about it, and for us to actually get forgiveness. But he has to be God, so that that forgiveness is universalizable—a big word—for um, everyone, right? It has to be for everyone, through all time, right? And that's something only God can do. Only God can forgive sin, right? And this is, this is in Mark chapter 2, right? This is looking down at the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is after people have dug a hole in Jesus' house. And yes, it is Jesus' house in Capernaum. He owns a house um, in Capernaum. And they lower the guy on the stretcher down through the roof, one of my favorite stories in, in the New Testament, right? And then Jesus looks over at the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're like, no one but God can forgive sin. Yep, here. I'm here, what's easier, you're forgiven or go take your mat and walk, hit the bricks? And he, he does, all right? So it has to go through all time, and, and it does. Um, so there's the equation. You gotta have apples to apples, but they've gotta be the right kind that never go bad. Don't eat those, probably die.
1: Well, speaking of Romans, I thought of another, another verse from Romans as you were talking, Dave. Um, One is that he who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So not only does Christ take our sin upon himself, sinless though he lived, but he also, in the process, gives us his righteousness. So when, when God the Father looks at us, because of Christ's redemptive activity on the cross, he sees his righteous son. And I think that shows the dichotomy between why Jesus had to be both God and man in order to accomplish God's work.
3: And if you're wondering where in the Bible, I know I saw that in one of the, the, the pre farm questions, Hebrews. And actually, I was rereading it here um, beforehand. And uh, Hebrews 4, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10. Um, and we're not going to just, I mean, we could just read it and it would just like exposit on it. Uh, but we'd be here until like 2 in the morning because <laughs> uh, it does—it will take a, quite a while to do that. Um, but, I mean, if you're asking where in the Bible does it talk about this, there's little hints from Paul where Paul talks about the exchange Um, I'm going to use a big word, vicarious atonement, Jesus dies for us and takes our sin for him, that's vicarious atonement, but if you want the real, how's it work, or or where does it say this in the Bible, it's it's Hebrews, and it's a longer argument, it's several chapters, heaven forbid we read several chapters of the Bible all at once, Um, but I, I mean, there it is.
2: Yeah, I I fully agree with um, all the mechanism that's described and and I, I do think that that mechanism is there and in place for me there's a real relational and philosophical aspect to it um, but I, I do think you have to you have to first understand well maybe not first but you have to admit at some point in your maturity and your walk with God that what that mechanism is um, uh in the necessity of being both God and man. But on a relational level, if he wasn't, if he wasn't both God and man, then how could we, as human beings who are are personal in nature, like human beings are these personal um, creatures and we understand innately that there's something that, that is bigger than us. Um, and so we long for that, and there's that, that hole um, in our lives. And, and how could we possibly fill that hole with anything less than a creature that was both personal and, as David was explaining, infinite? I just, I don't see a relationship being able to be fulfilling um, on a psycho-social-emotional level,
1: without that, we'd all be deists, right? If if Christ,
4: yeah, if yep. if God yep. did
1: not come down in Christ Jesus, we'd all be deists. You know, we we wouldn't have that personal relationship. I ding can, ding. Ah, so, yes, for deists. for those of you who don't know, deists are people who believe that God
3: exists. But that God has created a perfectly mechanized universe that he never has to intrude into. And so he doesn't do miracles. He doesn't come in to personally save you. Um, It's the exact opposite of what the Bible actually says. And I was thinking about this today because it's Paul